see my freaking fan going. I can hear your fan. Okay. <laughs> Double Duck Podcast. I episode three. I to get my fan to stop being a dick. <laughs> Computers, man. Computers. Hi, Sierra. I just want to be like Ron Swanson. We can do that. Have a typewriter. What is it? Triangle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Butthole. <laughs> America. America. <laughs> God, I love Ron Swanson. Hello, y'all. Welcome back to the Devil Dead Podcast. Hey, guys. This is Summer. And this is Katie. And today we are going into the wide, wide world of Southern cuisine. Yes, particularly the meat. And three. Meat and three, baby. And if you are thinking to yourself, what the heck is meat and three? Well, it's a lot like what it sounds like. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it's much like Southern anything is almost exactly how it sounds. Yep. It is a meat and three veg. Um, often served with pie afterwards, biscuits, cornbread, the works. So yeah. Meat and three does not include your bread. Let no. Let me be clear. No, no. You have bread Additionally, Yes, it is an accessory to your meal. It <laughs> yeah. is not the meal. No. Get out of here with your bread rolls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's not a side. That's just a given. Yeah. You have you have a little muffin basket of cornbread and mm-hmm. biscuits and, and some the kind jam of... Jam and butter. Maybe yeah. honey butter. Oh, if you're lucky, you get honey butter. Apple butter. Oh, all those things are so good. That sit on a little thing like to the side of the, that are just like pre yes. Yeah. That's that's where they sit. So if you haven't ever had a meat and three, it's it's just really simple southern food, right? Yep. So I didn't my mom did not cook this way. My mom with a with a health nut and also just didn't really cook. Love you, mom. You I, I appreciate <laughs> that you raised me right and now I know how to cook with vegetables. Not very grateful. <laughs> but I mostly had meat and three when we would go over to my grandmother's house um, after church on Sundays. Yeah. The, I, that was exactly the same way. So my mom worked two jobs, not necessarily because she had to, but because she wanted to. She was in the medical field and she loved working with different populations and in different settings. So as a way to like keep it, keep it new and exciting for herself. She worked two jobs, and then my dad worked factory jobs, so mm-hmm. super long hours, you know, crazy work schedule. So we never ate, like, at home as a family. Again, we, it was the same thing, like, yeah. at my grandma's house. The funny thing is, I didn't hear the term meat and three until I was much older. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just how, was just how we ate. ate. Like, yeah. it was just, this is how we eat. <laughs> yep. That's it. And you have to be... It's it's really not a huge variety of things. No, it's meat not. and three sounds like wow. There's all these options. There's not a- any meat, <laughs> any three vegetables. That's no, odd. no. Let's let's uh, you get um fried chicken, fried chicken or some kind of pork, mm-hmm. um, pork mm-hmm. product. Uh, never really beef. Beef is too fancy. No, you might get beef stew. In which yeah. case, the vegetables in stew count as yeah you know one or two of the three depending on maybe if so. it has potatoes and vegetables maybe two of the three but yeah but the veg is really 
Like, these are not healthy items, necessarily. They're collard greens that have been stewed down well past their nutritional <laughs> With point. a ton of pork fat. And, and a ham hock in it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Salt. All the sodium. Mm. Oh, my. If you want to go, like, you know, have take all your sodium intake for the day, and you want to go have a meal somewhere like this, this is where you're going to find it. Yep. But uh, yams. Yeah. Are very popular. Which usually have some sort of added sugar. Marshmallows, brown sugar. Absolutely. Candy pecans, something like that. Yep. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese might be one of those. Mashed potatoes, of course. Absolutely. Green beans. Fried okra. Oh, that's my jam. Yeah. I that's do. almost always one of my choices. If we're mm-hmm. out to eat and it's like a meat and three restaurant. Yeah. Which, that's a whole thing, too. I don't yes. think people know. that In the South, it's like, I mean, there nobody calls it that. No. Like, in my town, it was Jackson's Cafeteria Yeah, was our meat and three. Like, you go eat there, and you pick a meat and three vegetables, and that's it. And then a pie or a brownie or whatever at the end. I mean, we had Piccadilly growing up, um, and then you also had the cafeteria style. But a lot of times, you know, I remember in college, there were a couple of really wonderful places, but you, especially in lunchtime was absolutely decadent like it was oh yeah the three when we'll we'll post about this so you have an idea of what we're talking about but three bowls just overstuffed of anything you can want like mac and cheese like falling off the sides and then fried chicken with gravy obviously and then you just go into a sleep coma for 10 years because Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. you're exhausted and it's finals and you inevitably haven't eaten very well or at all and then you go eat, and then you sleep for 12 hours, and yeah. you feel better. And it's like a rejuvenating <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. You ate your feelings, and you feel fine. Um, yeah. But then in the mornings, you know, of course, you'll have grits and eggs and biscuits. And, yeah. you know. And your cankles will just never go away because no. your salt intake is obscene. Yes. So, yeah. As someone, so I, I'm pretty particular about... Your cankles? <laughs> I'm particular about my cankles. <laughs> You don't have cankles. Let's be real. No, I don't. Thankfully. Not now. Knock on wood. Hopefully never. But I now I have like a really particular diet at times. Yes. Because I'm an adult past the age of 30. <laughs> so everything I As do. you do. Right. Everything I do, my body's like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. You thought you could have that much sodium? Fault. Funny. Oh, you want a second alcoholic beverage? <laughs> I hope you're ready for heartburn and no sleeping. <laughs> I'm basically a grandma, but I look back on how I ate and drank because oh I drank gosh. nothing but Mountain Dew and sweet yeah. tea. That was it. Like we drank Mountain Dew like before bedtime. Yeah. And <laughs> like, we slept. Yes. How did we do that? How did my body survive literally constant dehydration for <laughs> 18 years? Like I don't remember youth. ever drinking water. Oh, the fountain of youth. Right? You go to again. vacation Bible school, run your oh little my God, booty off, do crafts, you're hot, you're sweaty, you're singing your songs with your little interpretive movement dances. <laughs> and then you chug down some bug juice, some Kool-Aid, and head home and never a drop of water. I'm like, how did we not all have strokes? You know, though, I, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure either, but I, I will also say as someone who can't drink caffeine past noon anymore, because I will lay awake at night if mm-hmm. I do, I'm just like, how in the world did I used to do this? I don't know. But yeah, no, this, I mean, Southern cuisine is really, it can be very laden and lard and, you know, all these things. But my memories of my grandmother were that, you know, there were just healthy food. My, my grandmother's 96 years old and looks fantastic. Oh. Still has very sharp memory. 
is just a, a anomaly of science, honestly. But she's because she's eaten healthy all these lives. So mm. she had the, all these dishes set up. So it would be, you know, it would all be on the stovetop. And it would be healthy versions of collards, right? Ooh. It would be a fresh coleslaw, which is one thing we didn't mention in the three. That was very good, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something very fresh. So it could be that. But really, these are items that you just could leave on a stove and let them sit. And they would be okay for multiple hours. And it speaks to really how wonderful this health is and how much bounty we have how bio um, diverse we are but also how we reutilize things like nothing goes to waste if it just if you eat it and it cools you stick it in the fridge it's leftovers for the rest of the week yeah and i think too like your grandmother's generation and, and earlier uh later generations than that maybe even through like 60s 70s and that sort of stuff they did garden like they took they took advantage of the fact that we have amazing soil in the south that's really capable of growing incredible produce yep but then i feel like the 80s and 90s came and we just kind of got away from that like i don't my granddad had a garden and my grandmother would make things out of that garden um and would can a lot but i Oh, canning. Something that is yeah. a long past, uh, past skill. But you know? we, they definitely didn't eat healthy. And I, my granddad has had um, heart attacks, as almost every Southern grandfather mm-hmm. has. And we have a, a small, very humble cabin. Um, it's lovely. It's so cozy and wonderful um, in North Carolina, right near the Virginia border. And he goes up there to cheat on his diet. Because my grandma makes him, my Mimi tries to make him eat healthy. And he... You go, Mimi. Yeah, you go, Mimi. She tries. She tries. And so he goes to the cabin to hunt, which he does hunt. But he also, literally, the last time I went up there, had three buckets. Buckets. With handles. Of lard. Ugh. Ugh. And they were labeled for the type of meat that he was cooking with that lard. And he had a drippings jar of fish lard. Ew. fish not the lard from the fish but lard for cooking fish oh okay so i and he makes his own quote unquote salt pork he's not actually making it it's just literally a grocery store ham like a spiral cut ham that Uh he cuts off the bone sticks in a big flip top gasket jar Mm -hmm. and puts a shite ton of salt in it so you took something that was already incredibly salty and made it saltier. Yeah. So he's quote-unquote curing it. <laughs> yeah. Curing it. Yeah. That's the, the, what we use for when we bake fish, like yes. in salt baked. So yeah. when I went up there, I threw it all out. I was like, mm-mm. Good for you. We're not doing it. I'm not doing it. He was so mad. Mm-hmm. He was so mad at me. To this day, if he knows I'm going to the cabin, he will go up there and literally hide it. Like one time he buried it in the yard in a box. Yeah. That's that's commitment. That is commitment. But we can talk about how almost every southern fr- fridge has a dripping jar. Like you oh, ba- yeah. make your bacon and you save your bacon grease. Like the first time I did that and I was with someone who was not from the south and I showed that to them and they're like, "What are you doing? This, this is, is gross." Disgusting. And it's are like, you no, a hoarder? You reuse it. And they looked at me like I had five eyeballs. Do you know what? Until you roast potatoes with bacon grease hey, and then you they're your do best not know. friend. Yeah. I feel that way. So we don't save bacon grease anymore, but I also don't make bacon all that much anymore. Mm -hmm. And because I live in a smaller, Mm -hmm. like, kind of, we both live in historic homes. They're very kind of open concept because back then you didn't have central AC or HVAC or anything. So you needed breezy houses. Mm -hmm. 
And so I'll do bacon in the oven because I don't want my whole house to smell like bacon for the foreseeable future. And I don't say the bacon grease, but I cannot throw away duck fat. Well, duck fat is way different. Like that's a, that's the only thing that I save. And I literally right now have a thing of duck fat. Well, yeah, because you put it with potatoes and stuff like that. But I mean, this is all like, we're not talking about, we, none of, neither of us grew up. I'm going to speak for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Neither of us grew up with uh, potatoes with duck fat. I would say that. Oh, that no. Was, yeah, that, that was definitely an adult thing. That me we and three into. made me a picky eater. Really. <laughs> like, I didn't, I had no adventure. I didn't really try new things. Yeah. I, the only reason I do now is because I married a man who grew up in a house of amazing chefs. Like, he cooked with his granddad, he cooked with his mom. From the age of, like, literally six, he started cooking. And by 11, he was making family meals before his mom got home. Like, easy stuff. Like, hamburger helper and stuff. But he loves to cook, and he literally taught me pretty much everything I know about food. And that's the only reason I'm, like, an adventurous eater. And my dad, who used to give us such a hard time about quote-unquote being picky eaters even though we ate what they ate right um is the pickiest person ever well and i mean my mom just like put food on the table and it's like if you wanted to eat it if you wanted to get fed (laughs) you ate it if you didn't then that was your choice um i mean again not saying anything bad about my mom that's just the way it was uh she was a busy full-time working mom so was my dad um but i learned to cook from my grandmother on my dad's side and then my grandfather on my mom's side who also grew his own vegetables and that was something that i i have a lot of recipes in my arsenal now that are were his favorites i wish i remembered more yeah I remember I have the most distinct memory of making biscuits with my grandmother, Aww. and I never, I'm going to get real teary-eyed, I, I don't think I would ever have appreciated that until I became an adult Mm-mm. and realized how wonderful it was to have her show me how to cut it out and how to make it all, and it just, it really warms my heart, and now she's 96, and her memory is terrific, but it's it's not you know, what it used to be. So yeah. she has to look at a recipe for things, which when she started having to look at a recipe for things, I was like, what? Dang, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, even then, it was super sweet. But. I did with, I made, so the two things I remember making with my grandmother, and she did actually show me how to make a lot of things. I just, when you're 13, you're not going to just remember it. No. You know? <laughs> um, but I did make biscuits a lot with her. Every time we were over there and having dinner, I made biscuits with her. And we made, and I made lemonade with her. She would always have oh, me squeeze the lemons. So nice. And this was when I was really young. I would squeeze the lemons and she would let me wear her readers, her little reader glasses, which were always so oh. colorful and cool. Aww. And it was the 90s and I was like, oh, look how fancy I am with You're my, you know, crystal encrusted readers <laughs> making lemonade. So, yeah. You are, you are always a grandma. <laughs> always. I am a grandma. My spirit animal is a grandma. You know what? Go grandmas. Go grandmas. Grandmas knows what know what's up though. They don't take shit. From I don't anybody. know. They know what's up until they make you go get a switch, and then mm, not well, so great. <laughs> not so not so great. I don't know. My grandmother's always great, but I really do think you know we talk about food and how good it is, and it's just really the resiliency of the South and and chefs like H. Sean Brock that are bringing back these very humble ingredients in a wonderful way and elevating them. Um, he's one of my favorite chefs. I love yeah. everything he's doing. Well, I love the seed saving story. Yes, really of his journey, like that he's bringing back these, um, you know, vegetables and carbs and all sorts of things that used to grow widely mm-hmm. everywhere in the South because people just grew them in their backyards. Yeah, but they just kind of disappear because people don't do that because it turned out in the eighties and nineties that you could start getting it for cheaper at the grocery yeah, you store. Could, it was commercialized. Yeah, so you didn't really need it anymore, and I do feel like. 
there is kind of a, a there's for sure a role reversal it used to be that like having a garden and growing your own vegetables and stuff was for the poor it was for people who were trying to self-sustain as much as possible or have some sort of backup plan for mm-hmm. not having enough food and eating everything you grew yes very important finding a way everything yeah whatever that way was yeah hell or high water to use what you grew and like my dad grew up um you know really poor his dad was a southern baptist preacher and did not make a lot of money and he only had an eighth grade education and then my grandmother um eventually worked in the courthouse as a secretary but had to work her way up to that and was a stay-at-home mother and a pastor's wife for a long time which is a full-time job in and of itself yes so my dad recalls times when they had nothing but like a can of beans <laughs> and they'd have to make it work so i think it used to be this thing where like we're gonna it's for the poor people and now i feel like urban gardening and really just gardening in general and having a garden like that you can eat out of is expensive it is and it's also very uh racially divisive actually not to yeah. like superfluously bring in race to this but there are now uh, people of color who are owning their gardening roots and saying no you're not going to take this away from us this is something that we established that we have been doing for years and now we're going to continue to own it and you're not going to charge fifty dollars for this one plant species like we're just going to give it the seedling away because the more people grow in their backyards the more that we appreciate the things that come to our table yeah so i I love the movement. There's a movement actually in Birmingham. It's called the Jones Garden. And I, if I ever had to move back and live there, I would absolutely be a donor to them because they are teaching kids how to garden and bringing equity into that space. And I, I just think it's fantastic and teaching kids how to be self-sustaining, um, giving them something to do, working with the earth, all of those things that build up really healthy confidence, self-esteem that you then take to your life and whatever yes. you want to do. And something, when I moved to Texas, I realized that almost all the high schools here have an agriculture yeah. program, have an agriculture oh. class and an agriculture Texas program. Texas Ag is something like <laughs> it's way It's like a whole different. thing. It's like, that's a whole different thing. But I planet. love that. They yeah. literally hire teachers, agriculture teachers, mm-hmm. and kids do it at school. Like they yeah. have gardens that the school uses and it's a real program. It's not just like a one-off class that the gym teacher yeah. <laughs> teaches. Yeah. <laughs> The 4-H um, Well, the 4-H club's very popular here, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Where I grew up, 4-H was bomb. And I actually went to a 4-H forestry camp back Ooh. when I wanted to be a forest ranger. Oh, my gosh. That, but where you grew up, that makes a lot of sense. That yeah, you, you I had... could name all the trees. Oh. It was a whole thing. I And at the Did end... Did you just love the trees or did you just love the bugs? <laughs> both, both. <laughs> I have a thing for bugs, people. She does have a thing for In bugs. my second life, in some past life, I was an entomologist. I call it in my novel, it's my novel job. Like, you know, if you write, <laughs> if you write a novel and you're the heroine, you yeah. get to pick your, like, dream job and that would be mine. And it's not really my dream job. I love occupational therapy and that's right. what I do professionally. But I freaking love bugs. I just lo- I have always loved bugs. I had bugs everywhere growing up in my pockets, in my room. I kept every type of bug. So yeah, it was a natural fit. Yeah. And I still would love to be a forest ranger. Well, and you think about bugs and gardening too. Those go hand in hand. And you know the deforestation of a lot of the southern like established forests, right? And you have gardens like. I think everyone should have a garden in their backyard, not as like a status symbol, not to do anything, but just so you remember how 
freaking hard it is to keep <laughs> to something alive. Something. And what memory you have to be like, no, we have cans now. And the, the modernization of the grocery store is just a phenomenal scientific discovery. Like, it, it's incredible it's now. Like, unbelievable. And sometimes it scares me that I'm so dependent. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can get basil any time of year. I should not be able to get basil any time <laughs> right. of year. Like, the very select few times. But I think, you know, when you're talking about canning these and curing things, these were things that that were part of the Southern tradition for a long time and existed long before us. And when I go home, I try to be very honoring of that. Because I think food is the first thing that takes me back. Yeah. It's the first thing that takes me, quote unquote, home when I'm talking about the Southeast being home. Yeah. It's complicated and there's so much to it. And every family's traditions are different, yeah. but there's something about food and I, for the, in the Southeast that is universal in a really beautiful way it's at the same time the most derisive thing in the south and the most universal and um you know what's the word i'm looking for like bringing everyone to like it's uniting uniting factor in the south yeah food but it can be both of those things right and that's why it's so important to discover and honor um where we came from and to also think about this critically right to understand that we come from an area that is rife with a lot of challenging issues and it can't be ex- easily explained. We have to talk about the history of this. We and I get off my get off this page if you think this is he- heritage not hate because that, there will be none of that here. Yeah. Um or right. whatever that is by see you later. Uh, we need to address these things for what they are. But you know, it's just talking about it part and parcel, but I really think the idea of meeting three it's is it's, it's quintessential essence is bringing people together yeah and I think when you have that that is something that South has in our playbook is how to bring people to the table feed them really good food and start a really great conversation yeah and this is the Double Decks podcast and we're just doing that yeah so I love talking about food with you it always makes me food. so happy <laughs> it is the best it is and it just reminds me of home so anyway anything else you want to add this summer I don't think so okay Well, we're going to sign off, and we look forward to talking to you all later. If you have questions or would like for us to clarify anything or want more information about the chefs and the projects that we mentioned, we will tag all of it. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. You'll find us. We'll find you. (laughs) Just kidding. Bye. Bye. Follow us on all our social medias at The Deviled Egg Podcast. Our intro and outro song is the acoustic version of Faith by Galantis and Dolly Parton, featuring Mr. Props. It's available for download now on all music apps.